Oh, but Shakespeare's five, so if you like oh. Papists, Sam said incredulously, running the Queen's own company? You sound as though you don't believe me. I believe you, Sal, I believe you. It just seems a bit risky, don't you think, doesn't it? Well, obviously, we don't go telling everyone, but we told them all. I would have been impossible for us not to. Every week, we had to make a confession to one of them. A confession? I said. We were they priests then? So Papa shook his head. They instead they insisted we confess our sins to them all the same. If we couldn't think of anything we've done that was sinful enough to suit them, they accused us of doing what was sinful enough to suit them. Uh, suit them. They accused us of holding out on them, so we'd have to make something up. Sometimes a number of us would get together uh, the night before and share ideas for despicable things we could confess to. Why didn't you just refuse to do it? Sam asked. I did, said Poggy, replied defensively, several times. And then I just, and then, and then I got tired of being beaten and decided it was better just to get what they wanted. Dogs gnomes, I murmured. Could you not simply leave? I tried that as well, but my, his voice faltered and he looked down at the floor as it changed. All right. That's all right, I said. Go on. My parents always sent me back. When I tried to tell them what went on there, they wouldn't listen. All they could think of was the great honor it was for me to be one of the chapel children. They didn't object when you joined the Chamberlain's men. He gave a thin, bitter smile. They were willing to sacrifice a bit of honor in favor to be the company plays for my services. I played a sympathetic hand on his shoulder. Now I can why you're so desperate to stay with us. He shrugged off my hand. I didn't tell you all that in order to get your pity. Sam gave him a a peevious look. Why did you tell us then? A few days ago, you asked me why I had such a poor opinion of papists. Now you know. With that, he stalked out of the property room. Well, said Salpalvi. Well, said Sam. Just when I was starting to think that that per- that perhaps he wasn't a complete ass after all, he began to bray again. Don't be too hard on him. I let down his guard for a moment, and now I was feeling a bit vulnerable, I said. That may be, but I expect he's also feeling a bit smug. Why is that? Well, Sam said, looking about at the still cluttered room, You'll notice that he's left us to clean up the properties without him. We did not see Sapovi again until a little. He 
seemed re- resentful toward us, as though, like his former masters, he had forced him to confess to us against his will. I prayed that Judith would not turn up the tournament again and cause the tournament Spanish tragedy into a French farce with me as a principal clown. But then, when she did not appear, instead of being grateful, I thoroughly, I was thoroughly disappointed, even desolate, as though I'd been forsaken. Fortunately, my mood was perfectly suited to playing Bellimperia, whose lover, Don Andra, had been slain in battle. Mr. Lowen had commended me on how convincingly wretched I sounded. Uh, if I had said a word to Sam about how I felt, which I did not, he would surely have seen it yet another sign that I contracted a several case of love sickness. There was one classic symptom, though, that I had not yet suffered, a lack of appetite. I had not had much in a way of food that morning, and by the time our our midday break came around, I was ravenous. For most of the company, going home for dinner would have meant a walk of a quarter hour or most or more in in the cold, so we customarily dined downstairs at the long treadled table set up specially for us by the innkeeper. As we were would not have the leisure for another bona fide meal until after the evening performance, we made a feast of this one, often lingering at the table until nearly moment. It was my favorite part of the day, a time of companionship, conversation, and a congenial and a congenial game of cards. Today we had even more companionship than usual, for Mr. Garrett had joined us. Before sitting next to him, Mr. Armin sniffed him warily like a dog, just checking to make certain you'd gotten the smell out. And have I, asked Mr. Garrett, for the most part, you smell less than like a stable now and more like brewery. That, that's because I rinsed myself with ale at Ben Johnson's suggestion. Well, you'd have it from an expert then, said Will Sly. No one knows more about ale than it uses uh, than then. Are you a card player, sir? asked Mr. Hemmings. We normally engage in rusing round of wrist after dinner. Thank you, sir. I'd be delighted to join you. Mr. Garrett proved an entertaining dinner companion. Though he seemed to know little enough about the theater, he had something intelligent and often witty to say about nearly every other topic on which he touched. I watched him closely and listened to him carefully, looking for some clue to his identity and why he chose or was compelled to conceal it. He spoke with a slight lisp, but not the precious soft 
sorts so often affected by flops. It is seemed rather to be the result of some injury in his upper lip, where a thin scar was still visible beneath his newly bleached mustache. Well, when he turned toward me, I could see traces of other old wounds on his neck and on his forehead. Whatever his past life had been, it had certainly been dangerous. I was, I noticed, not the only one in the company who was taking Mr. Garrick's measure. Ned Shakespeare was regarding him with narrowed eyes and a furrowed brow, as though still trying to recall where he had seen the man before. Ordinarily, Sam paid far more attention to the food and drink than to the conversation, but when Mr. Garrett began to speak of all the countries he traveled and to and all the strange things he had seen, saying Sam hung on to his every word as though he hungered far more for adventure than for a miracle of the hardship fritters on his plate. Mr. Garrett could also hold his own when he talked when the talk turned to although he had been in London but two days, he was already knowledgeable on the subject of most concern to uh, to us all, the state of the Queen's health. This morning, he said, I spoke with with someone in a position to know. He tells me that Her Majesty grows weaker with each day that passes. She often seems confused for forgetful and will seldom speak except to complain that her limbs are cold. Yet she adamantly refuses to take any of the medicines prescribed to by her physicians, apparently because she fears being poisoned. The sharers glanced solemnly at one another. What I fear, gentlemen, said Mr. Armin, is that we players will not have Her Majesty's protection much longer. He turned to Mr. Garrett. Do you know whether or not she has given any indication of who she wants to succeed her? According to the man I spoke with, she has not. Everyone expects, of course, that her choice will be the Scottish King. Lord help us, said Mr. Shakespeare. Is that bad, I asked. I knew nearly nothing about the King James, except that he was the son of Mary, Queen of Scots, who once tried to claim the English throne, and had her custard chopped off for her. Well, Mr. Shakespeare said, let me put it in this way. How many Scottish theaters have you heard of? I thought for a moment. None. And how many famous Scottish playwrights are there? None. He nodded grimly. Well, how well do you suppose we players are likely to fare then under James rule? I understand, though, said Mr. Carr, that his queen, Anne of Denmark, often presents elaborate masks at the court and even performs in them. Oh, good said Mr. Arnold. We'll have 
we'll all become courtiers then, and prance about before a lot of fake scenery pretending to be pretending to be dogs and dinosaurs and frowning doggerel. Perhaps it won't be as bad as you imagine, quotes King Mr. Henry, always a confident. And perhaps it won't be a good deal worse, said Ned Shakespeare. After all, his royal Scottishness has raised, was raised by Puritans, and most, if not all, of his advisors are Puritans. He took a great gulp of ale and wiped his mouth on his sleeve. If you ask me, we better all pray very hard that Her Majesty makes a miraculous recovery. So that was chapter 14. Bye guys, see you later. See you later, see you later, see ya. See ya later. Bye guys.